All right, guys, you know the drill. Tell your friends about us. Hit like and subscribe. Follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at LaunchpadPod. Leave a review on Apple iTunes. That shit helps, folks. Today, Matt and I talk about It Chapter 2, the long-awaited sequel to the 2017 It star-studded cast in the adaptation of the classic Stephen King novel. Now, we know it's a long one, so let's dive in Launchpad Podcast spoiler-filled review of It Chapter 2. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. All right, welcome to Launchpad Podcast. I'm Aaron. I'm uh, Matt. Matt, it's good to say that we haven't done this in a while. We've I been know. like relying on our library, man. Well, we, you know, you guys know that Aaron is down in Georgia right now, and I had a baby. We've both been working like crazy. We need to be doing this way more. We got a bunch done, and when we do them, we try to do a couple at a time. But yeah, dude, it's the good news is I do feel that every time we do this, whether it's been a week or a month, it still feels like you're in the room. I I, I wish you were yeah. here, man. I wish you were here. I wish we did more stuff together. I I got to admit, the topic of today of today's episode makes me think more than anything. Really, how much I miss you, man. Yeah, dude, totally. Because this was such a movie that, like, when we first saw it, we had such a fun time reaction, and then like sitting on my couch and like arguing about this movie, the first iteration of it. Well, we haven't said what we're doing yet. We're I know we're teasing it. (laughs) Oh, oh, sneaky. We're burying the lead, dude. But no, man, it's definitely. uh, I I remember recording the one. uh, Did we watch the first one together? No, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We We were all there together. It was a big group. I know we went in a big group. It was a big group, yeah. My wife came. And And then we recorded like the next day or two, right? Yep, exactly. Well, we are going to review, complete with spoilers and everything. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Georgie. It, chapter two, the new 2019. Hello, Rumi. (laughs) It is I, Rumi the Clown. Uh, Well, (laughs) dude, really, uh, you know, before we get into the- This is it, part two. Before we get into the crux of the movie- you know, the movie's about childhood and growing up and your friends. And, and this one, more than the last one, is about relying, I think, on your friends as adults. When there's other shit going on, can you count on your friends? And uh, even though we've been a little bit dry lately as far as podcasting and we haven't seen each other since Comic-Con, which already is months ago, I miss you, man, and I love you. Like, I really, that's that's my takeaway from this movie is I, I hope you know how much I love you. I hope you know how much I appreciate. That's the other thing. If you guys have been keeping up, Rumi's killing it. Rumi is our, our technical guru and genius. He does all the editing, makes all our shit sound good. He knows all of our equipment and whatnot. Pretty much, I'm just here for looks. That's really the the difference between he and I. He does all the work, and I'm handsome. But I knew this podcast couldn't rely on my looks alone. I mean, I'm, a, I'm pretty handsome, pretty handsome dude, pretty charming, but I needed somebody who could really anchor it in the uh, charming, dude, handsome department. Who wants to listen to a podcast done by one handsome boy, right? Like, <laughs> no, but dude, I've been, I've been behind. I've been, listen, I've been so busy. I'm finally getting around to listening to some of our episodes that you've released in the last month or so. And dude, it's, I mean, not to pat me on the back, but to pat you on the back. They sound great. Your editing is so fucking tight. All the technical cleanup you do, dude, you are killing it. So before this turns into a jerking you off episode, yeah, just I love you, man. Great. Like, I really I'm so happy that we're still doing this podcast. I have such a good job. I mean, I've, 
I have such a good time doing it. You do such a good job. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you said you weren't patting yourself on the back. This is about me, Rumi. <laughs> Thanks, dude. I really appreciate it. I got. I love you too, man. It's so fun to do this. When we just started eating wings and laughing about shit back in the original launch pad, it was like, I want to do something with this guy. We tried to get a show off the ground. We tried to do all sorts of stuff, but like this was the vehicle and it's been so much fun. So awesome to put it together. And I just love the response that we get. And I love arguing about movies and the fun we have. And so I'm really excited to do this one, especially because the themes, you know, the end, the last like moments of this movie, it chapter two, you know, uh, the, the, they, the, the two guys call each other like, I love you, man. I love you too, bro. And like, then they hang up and you're like, oh, yeah, oh that's the great. Same thing. That's good. And I know you and I don't say love you all the time, but every time you leave, I say, I love you. Every time we have like a good comic con or, you know, something like that, whenever we're leaving each other, I know I always tell you that I love you because it's true. I do. I've loved you since I've loved you since you were my roomie. Yeah, man. It's great that uh, a movie can sort of bring that out of people. And it, yeah, this was definitely one that I missed you watching. So hit chapter two, man. Um, let me tell you something real quick. Uh, here's how my weekend went so far. You know, I'm a little kid. I like skateboarding and I like going to fairs and uh, <laughs> I love comedy and I love reading. And two famous people showed up this weekend and verbally assaulted me, <laughs> shook the shit out of me. And then I got eaten by a clown. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm OK now. But that's basically <laughs> how my weekend went. <laughs> uh, it's funny because that kid, the kid who's it, who plays that and guys, you know us by now, you know that we're going to spoil shit. So if you haven't seen this movie yet, go check it out. If you did. Uh, tune in. Actually, if you haven't listened to our original, uh, our review of the It Part One from 2017, check that out because this this episode will butcher us up great against that. But this yep. kid, that kid, for a second, recently I watched The Predator, and for a second in this movie, I thought it was the same kid, and I was like, Oh, Ruby's gonna hate this. No, it's not. This is the kid from uh, Dead to Me, the Netflix series. There's a great <laughs> job in that. He's fine in this, but yeah, the kid's fine, but it's just stupid. So if you don't like. If you don't remember, there's this kid in the Chinese restaurant where um, Richie grabs him and shakes at him. He's like, fuck you. Fuck you. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. You're a fan. And then the kid's like weirdo. And it's like, OK, that's kind of funny. But then that kid shows up again later and he lives in Bill's house. Yeah, we're going to. Is it Bill's house? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's Bill's house. We're going to. Let's yeah, try to jump into like, it like okay. chronologically here. I wouldn't necessarily going to go scene by scene, but we'll let's do this rooms. Yeah, where were you on this movie? Because I, I know where I landed on it, and I could just imagine you through this entire movie. I just know, rolling and, your and eyes everybody, going, oh, if you've that listened, was fun, I hate it. If oh, was <laughs> see, if you've listened to the original, re our, our review of the chapter one, it from 2017, you put your seatbelts on because I didn't mind this one as much. I, I may even have liked it a little. Did, did we flip on this? <laughs> Rumi is literally looking around. Why? Did you not like it? <sighs> I don't know. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. This movie was so inconsistent and incoherent. Yes. It was like th there was so much that I like I could restructure right now. Here's my opinion. I liked the first movie. You were lukewarm on it. No, no, no. I hated the first movie. Hated, hated the first it? movie. Oh, okay. yeah. So, so you were straight up hate the first movie. I was pretty like, OK, all right, fine. If they took that one and this one and made it into, you know, like a nice three hour supercut or perhaps a mini series, <laughs> it would be pretty solid. But I felt like I was watching the deleted scenes of the other movie. <laughs> That's a good way to say it. The whole time up until the pretty much the final fight. I'm like, you could have done that in the first movie. Right. I don't. 
Like what you're doing here isn't part of a movie. It's just a scene that was deleted from the other movie. And to, to get into it, it starts out, they're like, you know, uh, we, we, it starts out with this horrible gay bashing that's really like violent and really intense. Yeah. And for a movie that starts off with a brutal uh, assault against uh, two gay guys, I was like, fuck, if the movie's going to be like this for one reason or another, I'm not on board. But I have to say, I really, I mean, it was, it's kind of a bold choice to start, not just with brutal violence, but brutal violence against someone who's gay. Like, that's still a little taboo and a little soft spot, I think, in our culture and our society. But it is from the book. That happened in the book. And yeah. it, it was one of the scarier scenes to me in the book because it wasn't children. It shows you that, like, Derry is evil and, and the force of it and Pennywise it's not just kids. It's there anytime that there's something evil happening. And I think yeah. that it's a good way to start this because it kind of sets the tone and also, well, it sets what should be the tone, I guess I should say. But it, it shows you that it's not just eating kids. It's not just killing kids. It's there. And it's, I think it's a really cool story. And it really, to me, it was like a love letter to the book because that's one of, one of the parts of the book that I was like, when I read it for the, fir- the book as a kid for the first time, I was like, well, that wasn't in the series, and that's kind of fucked up for numerous reasons, yeah. you know? Yeah, and, and I think this did try to pull a lot from the book, which was for better or worse. And this definitely, you know, sets you off on a, ooh, man, this is going to be intense, right? And then, you know, you see the clown, he eats the guy. The guy survives this beating and being thrown off a bridge, and he's in the water, and his, his boyfriend comes down, he tries to save him, and he sees him across this river, this raging river, and the clown has him. And then takes a big bite out of his chest. Pretty cool shot. And you're like, oh, wow. Holy shit. So here we are. And then we see, what's, what was it? Who's the librarian now? Mike, what's this Mike Hanlon. Mike Hanlon. But, but, but the, I thought that scene concludes really cool with all these balloons start to go in the guy's view. And he looks up and there's hundreds of balloons coming down from under the bridge. And they obscure his vision of Pennywise and his boyfriend. And then once the balloons yeah. leave... He's gone. I thought that was good. I li- I th- and that is from cool. the book as well. That was one of the really few creepy. balloon gags that I liked in this movie. When we cut to Mike being like, oh shit, it's back. You know, it's, we got to call, call, the, call the team back together, the Losers Club, because they made this promise. They made this, this pact. You know, they cut their hands and everything. And they said, we got, we're going to come back if the clown comes back. And Mike has stayed for right. whatever reason, because they don't He's explain. He's light, lighthouse keeper. He needs, he needs to stay there to make sure, because... I don't know if they knew this was going to happen, but shortly after they defeated it the first time, especially after they left, they all kind of forgot. And I think that's an allegory for childhood where you, you know, your best friend when you were in fourth grade, a lot of those people don't exist anymore to you. You don't, you know, as an adult in real life, you don't think about them much. You certainly don't talk to them, at least not regularly. I think very few people hang out with their friends from elementary school or middle school today. But I think it's an allegory of how you move on and your life goes and takes different paths and what was really important to you in fifth grade literally means nothing to you now. And obviously, like, you know, fighting an ancient evil force dressed like a killer clown probably would be a different story, but I think it's an allegory, right? Right, and they rely on this really heavily, and I think to the detriment of the film. Like, mm. I get that they forgot, but, w- I mean, it, it's so hard to dive into all these different pieces that I've been well, they use thinking it, about. I agree with you, and this is a thing that will hit a lot today is, I think they used a lot of things as devices. Like, this is happening to make the movie work the way I want it to. Well, here's one specific thing. All of the characters, as we're about to find out, don't act like people who are now adults. They literally were like, okay, I'm playing this character. Okay, uh, tell me about the character. And they're like, well, they fought an evil clown as a kid, but you don't remember that. 
Okay, so what can I pull for my character? Mm, about 15 minutes of this other movie. Okay, <laughs> they all react to everything as if they, they didn't, haven't lived any other parts of their life. Th- their characters were all very childlike, and I get that that could be like on purpose, but it felt stupid. The characters all felt stupid because they literally could only behave as they were as children, developed through the first movie, which didn't have a ton of character development other than like the first 15 minutes. Do you mean that like Richie was a comedian and Eddie was a, a nervous risk analyst and, and Beverly was an abused woman? Like, because that's the things that was their defining characteristics as but a But she child? didn't behave as an abused woman who has a nuance of like, sure, sure. Well, maybe I tried to leave, you know, there, there was no adult approach to it. It was literally the same as she was as a child. Her father abused her. She had shitty boyfriends in her life. And we were shown that at the beginning, but the characters don't seem to have matured past the first experience and they're told they don't remember it. So the characters felt very um, generic. I should suppose. Okay. You're an abused woman. Go. You're you're the funny guy. Go. He had no depth other than the funny guy, except for the thing, this big revelation that I completely missed that we'll talk about in a minute. (laughs) So Mike calls everybody and now we check into again these like. 15-minute segments, 10-minute segments of, hey, what's everybody been doing? I don't care. But you just complained that you didn't have, that they didn't have enough character development. You didn't even want the 10 minutes of character development they were trying to give you? Uh, because they didn't matter. It was super sure. generic and wasting time. You can give me character development, but guess where this movie should have started? At the Chinese restaurant. Just like in the miniseries. No, because in the miniseries, they get calls. But in the miniseries, like in the miniseries, we see Bev working with her husband and he's a dick to her in front of people uh, at their, their wardrobe place. Then later yeah. on, when she gets the call and he acts abusive, it's now the second time we've seen that and you see more things come to light. Whereas in this but, one, everyone just gets one scene to be like, hey, this is the grown-up version of this. Are you cool with that? problem I had with it is, is wasting so much time that I think took away from what, what the important part of the movie is, which is putting them together as friends. Sure. Yeah, yeah. You could have had her with the bruises on her arm, which they repeatedly show and nobody mentions. She also and, got punched in the fucking face and had yeah. no bruises. Yes. He punched her could, onto the bed. There are a lot of ways you could have done this, but this movie repeatedly isolates these people for 10 minutes at a time and... They all just feel like vignettes to something else, not a coherent piece Fair of a movie that drives the plot of the movie. None of the, like, literally, like you said, it's literally just to show you what their characters are doing. Hey, you got that? Okay, nothing else will happen from here on out. Mm. But you could have done that at the Chinese restaurant. Hey, what are you doing? I'm a comedian. Oh, yeah, I saw your special. You're kind of funny. Oh, kind of, you know, you could have gotten into that and gotten the same amount. I think the clever part, you know, we see Ben and his name is on a building and you're like, oh, wow, he's doing well for himself. And then we cut inside the building. We see kind of a chunky guy and you're like, oh, you know, there he is. And then it's like, oh, it's not him. He's actually the super hot boss who's Skyping into his own meeting. Did you know the Easter egg in that shot? What is it? That's the original kid. Yeah, the chunky guy in that meeting who you're you're led really quick to believe is the grown up Ben Hanscom was actually the young Ben Hanscom in the 90s miniseries. So it's the wow, same actor who nice... played. Yeah, it was pretty. And I saw him and I was like, shit, that's a bold move. And then I was like, but wait a minute. He's not supposed to be chubby anymore. And then this like handsome fucking model guy is in via Skype to, to be an architect yeah. via Skype. You're like, OK, that's fine. As cool as that gag is, isn't necessary to sure. anything that happens in the movie other than introduce these characters. Um, you know, Bill doesn't uh, Mike doesn't get an intro. Again, we're, we're shortchanging the black guy, which I felt was super like shitty of the first movie to shortchange that kid's story completely. And then in this one, we shortchange him again, other than, oh, he's the lighthouse keeper. He's been here the whole time, which is sad. 
You know when you meet your you meet your friends who never grew up past high school. But it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess that is sort of the allegory of that. But we we kind of check in with everybody, and then uh, the one guy gets the call. I'm going to forget everybody's name today. Stan. Stanley gets the call, and he goes and slits his slits his wrists. Well, I mean, that's what happened in the book, and that's what happened in the uh, original miniseries. So, like, I'm fine with yeah. that. But what what is kind of rough, and there's a lot of things in this movie that, like you said, if you made one long thing instead of two shorter things, even though this movie was almost three hours long, you feel it more. So now in this movie, even if you've seen the first movie, and when I say first movie for the rest of this re- this episode, when I say first movie, I mean the 2017, not the ni- not the miniseries. Let's call it the miniseries yep. or the first movie. Okay. Um, the first movie. When you watch the first movie, you see Stanley as a kid. So theoretically, if that movie does its job, you care about him. Now he's an adult. You don't know him from anybody. So he kills himself and you're like, well, that's a bummer for them, but you don't feel it. And I think this is something that this, like you said, this movie suffers from. You've always said that the miniseries, the best part was the kids. And without the kids, the grown-up stuff sucks. I wouldn't say this movie sucked, but you're missing a lot of emotional impact because you only have a couple, stupidly, in my opinion, chosen flashbacks in this movie to tie these grown-ups with the characters that we've seen before as children. And I think Stanley is one of the, the biggest examples of that because he kills himself. Now, he kills himself as an adult very quickly in the miniseries, so it's not like you know him super well, um, but it's almost like reverse. You start to know the character Stanley the child in the miniseries and then you see how hard it hurts the grown-up losers to be without him. This, Stanley's like an afterthought. Dude, they get to the Chinese restaurant, and Richie walks in, bangs the gong, and goes, I declare this meeting of the losers open, or, you know, started. Stanley's not there, and they eat a whole fucking dinner before they're like, hey, where's Stanley? It's like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> granted, you don't remember everything from childhood, but like there was literally an empty chair at the table. Are you guys stupid? <laughs> it was, it's so weird because, yeah, they do these flashbacks that are, again, just trying to show that the kids were friends and the kids had like, you know, a, a really tight bond with each other. And that's good, but you needed to start the movie with a little reminder of what they were as kids and why each of these kids were important. And instead of cutting into what the adults were doing, I think they should have probably cut into what the kids were doing, you know, and, and remind us why those kids are such great characters. And then to see them as adults and what they lost and what losing Stanley means exactly. His death meant nothing. You're just kind of like, oh, that sucks. Right. And in the, I believe in the book and in the miniseries, when each one of those people gets the call, there's a flashback to something that happened with them and ostensibly Pennywise or the terror that they faced, right? Even if they don't completely remember it, they remember some of it. And that sparks the beginning. In this, yeah. it's really quickly and glossed over and they missed the boat with like what mattered most to, to, to Bill, what mattered the most to Ben when they were kids. So you just know that they're scared. I think this movie kind of relies on the fact that you saw the first movie, you saw the miniseries and you probably read the book. And I think yeah. there's a lot of things that like, had I gone and seen it with someone who had never read the book or never saw the, the Tim Curry Pennywise, they might not have understood or at least might not have felt a connection between this and that, you know? Well, and here, this is another reason why I'm surprised you like this more. You have said that you have said this. I'm quoting you. You should never have to do homework to watch a movie. And I think uh, part of me, I think, walked into this being like, if it's not absolute shit floating in a toilet bowl, I will think (laughs) it's bad. You know what I mean? Like I went in with my standards so low 
that if it did anything better than terribly, terribly bad, it would be okay to me. And I also, I've read this book so many times. I've seen the original miniseries so many times. You and I delved into the first movie in such depth that I feel that I had done my homework, whether or not, you're right, you shouldn't have to, but I did it and I can't turn that off. And I do fault it for, I do fault it for not telling the story so that my mom would care about the characters. But at the same time, Who's going to see that movie? It's not my mom. It's me and you. It's people wearing Pennywise shirts, you know? Exactly. So I think maybe that's part of them knowing their audience and taking shortcuts. And now I'll fault them for that. But okay, you did it. So we get to the Chinese restaurant where they're all meant to meet. And in the original miniseries, this is one of the best scenes of the adult sequence. Like, it's so cool. Like mm-hmm. all the mm-hmm. creepy shit that they start tripping about. How did you feel this one stacked up? Bad. bad. Well, bad because of... And, and this is my main criticism Rumi, of this movie. There was a bat creature with a baby face screaming. Come on. Well, there was a bug with a baby face. There was a bat yeah, creature was with horrifying. a different cookie. Here, here's my, my problem. You guys should know from the last one, I had a huge problem with that ring walk stutter step bullshit. This movie, four to five times they did that as well. And I think every time they did it, they blew their scare. We'll get into that when we get to that. This scene, and I think a lot of stuff in this movie, suffers from not knowing when to tell a joke and not knowing when to have suspension or a scare stick. So you have this thing happen with everyone's got these creepy little things. I think Richie had a crawling eye. I think it was The Crawling Eye, which was a movie that he saw. Now, I don't remember if I know that from the book or if that was in the first movie, but in the 90s miniseries, it was just an eyeball in the cookie, which was creepy to everybody. But I believe that Richie Tozier, the character, was very creeped out by the movie The Crawling Eye. Again, I don't remember if that's from the book or the or the, the, night, the 20s. Is it? I know it's in the book, but yeah. I don't remember if it was also in the 2017. The, the, book, the book dealt with a lot of their media consumption and the shit that scared them from movies. That's why you had right. the mummy and the werewolf and the, werewolf and the Draculas and stuff. Right. And stuff. Yeah. So, the, you know, this is that. But f- first of all, the fact that it's so CG, some of the CG in this looks really good. Some of it looked terrible. But to me, I'm always like, why couldn't that have been practical? That's from a practical effects, I won't say artist, but from a practical effects technician standpoint, that's how I always feel. That's one thing. Then you have, they can't figure out where to tell a joke. So all this shit happens. Richie Tozier, who was the only guy to throw up when he got the call, sees that and makes the joke, my fortune cookie's looking at me. Not the time for a joke. Then everyone's freaking out. They're singing zombie heads in the the, um, aquariums. I'm on board with all of it. I'm on board with all the cookies. Everything looked good, or looked enough what it is, and I think the scene was doing what it was supposed to do in a horror movie. Then Mike yells out, it's not real, it's not real, which, spoiler, spoiler alert to our review, that's how they end up defeating Pennywise at the end. They realize they a, that they, uh, they have, have a conference power call. over yeah. him. But they realize that they, they have... They go- just think, oh my God, I, I'm, I'm going to flip out when we get to that part, because okay. he's like, oh, hey, Pennywise, time out, time out. Hey, guys, 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 right. guys, come pep here, talk. Little huddle, little huddle. <laughs> yeah, pep talk. Okay, okay. But okay, like, so yeah, he they, screams, it's not real, starts smashing shit. This yeah. whole movie, they try to do something that ends up not making a lick of difference, I think, anyway. But anyway, at the end of the movie, they end up realizing that they have power over Pennywise. Okay, fine. This, he says, it's not real. So whether or not these things are illusions created by Pennywise or if it is Pennywise himself somehow fucking with them in his own whatever Mike is trying to tell the others that this stuff is not real it can't hurt us we can ignore it then he picks up a chair 
and beats the shit out of the table with it. Now that, to me, I don't, I believe the only reason that that happened in the movie was so that then when the waitress comes in and sees him beating the table and everybody else flipping out, she doesn't see any of the weird shit. Then she says, is everything okay? And Tozier asks for the check. And that's a very big laugh. It was a funny joke. But I think that joke completely overrules everything scary that happened in that scene. So you're like, oh my God, there are fears and there's creepy shit and Pennywise knows that they're there. And Pennywise knows that Stanley's not there. He's getting under their skin and getting in their heads already. And we're joking about it already. Here's how you fix that scene. Mike looks down and he looks around and yells, it's not real. It's not real. He slaps his hand on the table, smashing the bug with the baby face. And that slam, everybody turns and looks at him. And he realizes, they all realize in that moment that it is an illusion. It is not real. Cut to the woman walking in and saying, is everything all right? Mike is standing at the table with his hand on it. Nothing else is out of place except everybody else is standing around looking scared. And Richie says, yeah, but I think we're ready for the check. Then you get a little chuckle, and I feel like the gravity of that scene is there. The scare, the tension, the whole scene leads up to Mike making that call of, guys, we can do this. You're, you, you diffuse the, the horror before you tell the joke. Correct. Right, right. Because I think as stands, and I'm going to give you at least three other specific examples from this movie, they're like, get ready. This is pretty scary. <laughs> and then you're like, but I didn't actually get time to get scared because you made that joke too quickly. Yeah. You know what I mean? You complete, like you said, diffuse is the best word, actually. You diffused your bomb before you let it go off or before I was even worried about the bomb. You know what I mean? And I think this scene sets the tone for what this movie will continuously do. You know, then there's these couple pieces afterwards where they're like, you know, some of them want to leave. Some of them are here to stay They're, You know, they made a pact. They're going to fight. We get a couple creepy kid moments where Pennywise stalks this little girl. Um, that's, you know, and, and the clown stuff, I actually thought the clown stuff was pretty good this episode. Agreed. It, you know, the, the little girl goes under the flowers, a lightning bug under the bleachers and Pennywise the clown is under there and he's in the dark, really creepy moment. Then he turns into a big mouth and bites her face off, which is pretty fucking gnarly. This movie suffers from like ensemble problems. Sure. It does not know how to handle all of the characters in one room at the same time. And then it also feels like they didn't have all the characters all the time. So they keep trying to figure out ways to separate them. Just like at the beginning, let's follow them for 10 minutes by themselves. It keeps trying to separate them into their own little vignette so it can handle one person at a time because I don't feel like the director or the writer or whoever is making these decisions knew how to handle all seven of these people at any one time. I think that's true too. It's interesting because I bought way more into this movie than I thought I would because the character development stuff, I noticed it, but it didn't bother me. And I think that that is a direct product of breaking the movies or breaking the story into two distinct movies. Pretty much a movie when they were kids and pretty much a movie when they were grownups. I think you immediately have structural problems and developmental and I won't say, I guess overall pacing problems from the beginning of the story to the end of the story. So from the 80s to now, you have problems huge with that when you problems. break those. Yeah. Well, the huge pacing problem is is by the time we get to the Chinese restaurant where things kick off, we've already wasted a shit amount of time. And then he kind of sends them off on their own individual missions in a minute. We'll get to that. But then that wastes a shit ton of time. Right. So the movie, basically the movie starts at the Chinese restaurant and then should go directly to the battle. But they waste all this time in between of them just kind of dicking around and then a couple of child kills, which are interesting. But there's just a ton of... Again, it's DVD extras. It's scenes that 
don't lead to any sort of progression right. of what the plot is. And again, structure, because in the old, in the miniseries and in the book, anytime a grown-up is doing something, it's tethered through whatever happened to them as a child. There's a lot of times where an adult in the book goes to a place where they were at a chi- as a child. Then it flashes back to what happened to them, what scary shit they saw, what encounter they had with Pennywise that scared them that they were able to overcome. It builds them as a character. And then when the seven of them get together as kids, they all have those shared experiences where you're like, hey, I fought him when he was a pterodactyl. Hey, I fought him when he was a werewolf or I ran from him when he was a werewolf. I know this story about him when he was, you know, 40, 50, 80 years ago. You don't have that in this one. So you have him killing all Pennywise is killing these random people who have no part in the movie other than cannon fodder. Now, we know in- inconsequential we need, kills. And yeah. you, you, like, cool. I, I you agree. Know, like the, the bleacher yeah. one was fine. I could nitpick contextual elements, but that bleacher kill, he kills a little girl under the bleacher. He lures, lures her in because she got a big birthmark. And he says that people hate him, too, because he's weird looking. She buys it because she's a stupid kid. And he bites her in the face. Awesome. <laughs> and one of the few yeah. times he moves without that ring fucking stutter step walk. So, OK, uh, extra points for that. But although we, despite the episode you and I have done recently about kids who get killed in movies, we as audience members don't want kids to get killed. So when a kid gets killed, we're, we're worried, we're scared, we don't want that to happen. We yeah. don't know who that girl is. Granted, we saw that one kid in another scene, but who gives a shit? We don't know who she is. We don't know. Aside from being a child, we don't want her to die. Who cares? We have no, she's not a character. Same thing. And there's with no the, impact afterwards. Exactly. We don't see what the parents felt. We don't see an impact to the town. Nobody cares. It just kind of happens to build a few minutes of the movie and make you go, yeah, Pennywise got that kid. Whoa. And it's the same thing with the, the little kid who Richie Tozier yells at and later is in Bill's house and Bill makes it his mission to save this kid. And to the movie's credit, Pennywise devours the kid in front of Bill, which is awesome and scary to it. I mean, I'll say scary, it's but it's a cool scene. Yeah. Why would Bill care about that one child? Why would Bill, the leader, the best of the losers, then decide he was going to take on Pennywise all by himself because of that? And again, that decision, I'm going to go fight Pennywise all by myself. And the rest of it goes, good, you're going to the same place we're going. We'll catch you there. Yes, coincidence. That made no, and I so thought the same stupid. thing. He's running on the phone with them. So, uh, so if you guys haven't seen the movie, Bill sees this little boy. He's li- The little boy is living in Bill's house. The little boy is going <laughs> Again, to the dairy fair. stupid coincidence. He's going to, and well, there's another thing I'll say in a second. There's a, d- d- he goes to the dairy fair, and Bill realizes that Pennywise is going to try to kill people, specifically this kid at the fair. And Bill decides, I'm going to save this one kid. He goes through this house of mirrors and house of windows thing, trying Fun to save house. the kid. And Pennywise ends up, you know, the kid is essentially caught between Pennywise and Bill. Pennywise gets him first. Yeah, they're both trying to smash through the mirrors, and it's pretty cool. It's a good scene. It's, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's it a great scene as it plays out, just like the scene under the bleachers with the little girl. However, it doesn't fit in the movie. It's like you said, it's a deleted scene. Who cares? Now, Bill decides that that is the, the tipping point. He's going to go after Pennywise on his own. Now, why? W- there's no reason for him to think that, but I understand that as a movie, you might want one of your teammates one of you guys from a team to go rogue because that creates drama. The rest of the team is now worried about him. You as the audience who knows the score is like, oh shit, he's not going to be able to defeat Pennywise on his own. I hope the other guys get there. Then the next scene, they all catch up together. Why did any of that happen if that's what 
the result was going to be. And they're like, he's going to the same place we got to go. And it's like, okay. They even say that. They're like, oh, that's convenient. Good. Once again, the movie didn't know how to handle seven people at any one time. And it was like, we don't know how to get him from point A to point B. Like that phone call could have been like, I, I tried to stop him on my own. I tried to save the kid. Right. Uh, you know, I, like I, kids are going to keep dying. We have to do this now. Great. Meet us at this house. Done. The same outcome is had. It's just a simple script change, but for some reason they had to make him feel or look like a hero that was unnecessary. He already was the hero. They didn't follow through on it, which is the thing that doesn't make sense. And it does feel, it almost feels like watching it, though I forget the first time it happened, but it was early in the movie. I, in my head, said, oh, tomorrow, make the joke to Rumi that it was like, they finished the first one in, let's say, 2016, edited it. It was released in 2017, and they didn't really start on this one until like two months ago. And they were like, yeah. oh, fuck, we got to finish this whole movie. All right. Um, and then um, and then Bill sees a kid killed and it makes him go crazy. And it feels that, like that's my how wife they wrote said it. it felt like ad lib. Yeah, yeah, it felt like the first movie was written. And then afterwards, everybody just had like the camp ball of yarn with knots in it. And you pass it around, told a little piece of the story. And then you hit the knot and you pass it to the next one. Like, that's what it felt like. Yeah. It was like group storytelling in a way that wasn't working. And also, when was the last time you actually saw a real funhouse? Like, really? Like. Fairs don't have fun houses like that anymore. They just don't exist because they're massive liabilities. Technically, <laughs> if it was 27 years after eight, you know, 1989, technically, I guess it was 2016. <laughs> Still, no fun houses. I'm sorry. No, I, I would love to see. If I saw fun houses, I would go in them, but, but I, they just don't I'll exist. Allow that. Here's, here's the thing that I won't allow, okay? We talked about the Chinese food place scene and how that should have been fixed. Yeah. Let, let's continue with the story. So Mike gets this... Indian artifact. He stole. This movie is very into Indian artifacts and this Which Indian is part tribe. of the book. Yeah, it's part of the book. The, you know, the, the ritual of Chud is like a Indian sort of ritual, but like, fuck, that's hard to do in a movie, man. And they didn't, they did not show it well. It shows like Pennywise is a meteor and he crashes and these Indians try to stop him. Um, and they have this little waste paper basket, leather, leather waste paper basket that has a little pictogram on it. And if you drink some tainted root water, you could fucking see the pictures move. And then you have a vision that doesn't really show you or tell you anything that Bill yep. later says is proof. He's like, I've seen it. It's all true. <laughs> well, visions wait, wait, don't wait. make you something hallucinated true. It? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. How did you see it, Bill? Well, even if you can say it wasn't a hallucination, it was a vision. That doesn't mean it's yeah. true. It means it might be true. It hasn't happened yet. Anyway. Uh I think most of your hallucinations lie to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Mike, so now Mike and Bill have seen this fucking vision. And I don't, again, I don't know what a vision proves. And I don't know why he only shows it to Bill, but they need this waste paper basket. And then Mike tells them they have to go out and find their tokens. Everyone has a special item left in the town. Now, this immediately feels like when you get to a level in a video game between the cool levels. And it's just a quest where you're like, you got to go find this thing. And you're like, all right, I'm going to need it later, right? They don't really need it later. To jump ahead, they find all their shit. One, if not two, no, two people, two of the, two of the six people left have theirs on them at the beginning of this whole bullshit. Yeah. And then they throw it in the waste paper basket on fire later, which also doesn't make a difference anyway. But Ugh. like Rumi it, says, this matters. is a way to get them all to do their own thing. And again... You wouldn't need that if you did flashbacks to the other movie to show us their experiences as a kid. Richie Tozier comes in town. He looks around. He sees something that he sees the movie theater and he remembers seeing the werewolf or the creek crawling eye. You know, uh, Beverly comes home and Beverly sees her father's house and she remembers that bullshit. 
You don't need to fucking make excuses for them to do things. And that's what this whole sequence feels like. They go the to find The whole totem. sequence makes an excuse for them to go find something that ultimately doesn't matter. And here's something that I hate in movies. When you say something's important and then you waste my time showing me <laughs> stuff that doesn't matter. I mean, one of my biggest examples of this is Inglorious Bastards. And I know people love this movie. I hate that movie because Agreed. the entire movie is an exercise of, hey, guys, this is really important. This is really important. This guy, such a badass. We rescued him from prison. He's such a badass. And in the very next scene, he dies. You wasted my time. You wasted every minute that you spent showing me something that doesn't matter in the very next scene. And this whole movie wastes my time showing stuff that in the end doesn't matter to the culmination of what the movie says is important. Oh, guess what? That wasn't important. And like, I get that if you had built this thing up to suddenly be a failure and how devastating that is, but you wasted my time the entire movie. And there was no, when this stuff doesn't work, it's not devastating. They immediately move on because the whole ending, the whole last climactic battle, in my opinion, is like a ride from Universal Studios. Like, you don't have time to see anything. You don't have, Rumi's pointing at me and flipping out. Did you think the same analogy? Yes. I thought it was, I, I, I was like, this feels like, the video game boss, like let's yes. hit him in the head and three was, times and then it'll, it'll and like, I was just going to say this quest thing. A lot of times if you play a video game based on a franchise movie or property, the video game gives you missions that were not in the movie. Like remember when the second Matrix came out, there was a video game where you played yeah. Will Smith's wife and you went on her yeah. side quest. That's cool because totally. that's like the Matrix did the most interesting parts then the video game did this stuff that you didn't see in the movie this felt like the video game version of this movie where you're like deleted oh, scenes everyone needs to go get side quests and pick up totems and you're like but why do they need totems that's if this was it the video game you're like all right i watched the cool movie and i saw how they defeated them now i'll see like more of their experiences around the town well, and there wasn't enough emphasis on the totems themselves of why they thought they would work Correct. what that was going to be and Again, it was just an excuse to show a piece of that could have been in the previous movie to show why the kids were scared or what they did that helped them be courageous against something. And it's like they tried and there's pieces that I understood, but like the the, the totem quests, they were well done in their own right. They had cool moments, you know, you know, when Beverly goes to her old apartment and there's an old lady inside and we've all seen this from the trailer because they showed the entire scene as part of the trailer. It was really creepy. And there's a moment that in it. You know, when she when the old lady like is like, I'm going to make cookies or I'm going to go make tea. And she realizes that she's in a creepy Pennywise dream and the old lady comes running out naked and she's like big and creepy. And I was like, wow, that that freaked me out. It was a cool creature. It had like mouths in its neck. It was, you know, a scary <laughs> we continue moment. to be on separate worlds. <laughs> but here, did you like it? You didn't like it because of that. Definitely did not. But we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Keep going with what you're saying. The part that I really like in that moment, though, is is. It, the the room starts changing and a door opens and you see uh, Pennywise without makeup on and he's screaming at her and he wipes the makeup on his face and then uses his hands and carves the 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 lines in his face. I thought that was really creepy and effective. That was like my wife liked that moment too. I thought that was. I thought it actually, looked good. I thought it was cool. It was at least some elements of practical. It was scary. But here's the deal: Why would Bev be afraid of that? It should be attacking them through what they are afraid of. It, why, why is Shelly why, why is Shelly Duvall afraid of a, a blowjob dog in a in a hotel room? Well, again, without doing homework, that was something that was a ghost in the hotel room. That wasn't scaring her to but be a blowjob. But it's one of the it's no, no, one I agree. of the scariest it's moments of the scare, movie. And the thing that I don't do understand is when you watch the the miniseries and in the original book as well, when Bev goes back to her house, 
it scares her by going back to her father. It becomes her father, and it's like a zombie father. It's a very fake-looking, Halloween-looking mask, but it works because he scares her. She is always afraid of her father. She's not afraid of a giant fucking bog troll witch. Who gives a shit? This is a contextual thing. If I was trying to get under their skin, especially the six most powerful people who could oppose me, I'm not doing it with a bog troll. I'm going to do that shit about, are you my still my good girl, Beverly? Because that's going to get in her head, right? That's why he attacks Bill through Georgie all the time. I get that. That makes sense. You know what I mean? The bog troll is just, ugh. And I call that, if you guys haven't listened to, Rumi doesn't believe me or doesn't, doesn't agree with me. If you guys haven't listened to the first uh, review we did of It Chapter 1, go listen to it because I call this exact scene. I use this scene from the miniseries as an example. Yeah. I said it's very cheesy. It looks very silly. It's very um, soap opera-ish the way it's shot. You know what's coming, but he chases her out of the house and she runs out of the house. I said if they were to redo this for this movie, it would be a, uh, a CG thing that would walk weird and move weird and it would run right at the camera screaming. And that's exactly what happened. This movie still suffers from it. it doesn't know what scary is. Like it thinks that oh, for, in for, your face. For big time, like, big time. Because the, 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 the creepy witch coming out of the door I thought was scary. But if it had just chased her through the house and wasn't just like it, it stops being about scaring the character. And it's literally at the audience. audience like, hey. right. Which is exactly what horror is. Well, horror, I think, is trying to swing out of that as a genre. But that's, I think, the biggest problem with most horror movies now is. You do a music swell or a giant screeching noise and your antagonist or scary thing jumps out directly first person point of view at the audience, which is a reaction. You're going to get it. Everyone in the theater jumps back. But I think it's a really cheap scare. And I don't think it's horror. I think it's just a guttural, no. primal, cheap thing. And it doesn't work on me specifically. I'm not that doesn't not that I'm super brave or tough, but I see that shit coming and it is an ineffective tactic. Super me, predictable. Know? Yeah. As far as these fucking totem hunts goes, Bill walks by his house. He sees that same kid that Richie yelled at there. Okay, fine. Well, well, wait, wait, wait. Before he walks past his house, he sees his bike and we get a fun cameo. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Stephen King plays a, a pawn shop owner who gives him a hard time and overcharges him for silver. The bike, which plays no role in anything in the movie. Either of the movies. In the first movie, they didn't utilize the bike the way it should have been utilized. In the and in, in, yeah. And then in this one, they don't utilize the bike the way it was. Is in the book, it plays a big part because very, it helps in the him miniseries, escape. Very important. Yeah, it helps him escape, and it has power to him because he feels the bike got him through it. So I get that it's the totem. Uh, I love the joke through the entire movie, and Stephen King even perpetuates it yes, as yes. the character he plays is uh, uh, Bill plays this the the writer, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And. Everybody keeps telling him that the endings of his books suck, which is hilarious because the book endings of Stephen yeah. King's books are often chided as sucking. And even it, Stephen King says, yeah, the ending sucked. And I was like, oh, yeah, I thought that was hilarious. One, I was in on the joke the whole time. But then when Stephen King yeah. said it in that scene, I was like, oh, this is that's pretty funny. That Dude, I'm dying to get that guy on the show. We'll get him at some point for sure. Oh, but man, he would be amazing. But yeah, so. <laughs> Uh, Bill talks that he buys the bike. He's driving. He's walking. Or he's riding the bike back. Again, this movie. This is not a scare. But Stephen King says something about should should go pretty fast or should work okay for you. And Bill turns around. It's very cheesy, but he goes, "It'll it'll help me beat the devil." Or it goes faster to beat the devil. And he gets on it. And then there's a shot of the bike falling apart as he starts to ride it away. And it's this joke. And it's like. I thought, like, the music swells, he looks over his shoulder, and it's a really cinematic shot of Bill telling Stephen King that this bike will beat the devil. And I'm like, oh, man, 
that's going to be his totem. That's the most important thing. And then, nope, we're joking about it. And it's like, well, why even have the fucking bike in the movie? And I really, like, I'm going to admit, there's a couple times where I totally bought into whatever bullshit the movie was doing. And that was one of them. When he turned around and it was so overly cinematic, overly produced to be that heroic moment of it'll help me beat the devil. I was I was hook, line, and sicker. I was born I was I was on board because I, I know those characters and I know the significance and I was all right, we're we're arming up to fight Pennywise. Man, nope, the bike doesn't really work great. Come on, man. <laughs> and doesn't play anything later. No, and the bike doesn't I, wait, the bike literally helps him also, get from one place to another in the movie. That's could, it. He didn't Here's why the ritual should didn't work. He didn't put the bike in the basket. That's the thing, right? Why wouldn't I just, as I was saying that now, I was like, maybe that was the totem. Maybe that's why it didn't work. But (laughs) so (laughs) he goes past his old house. He looks in the sewer grate where Pennywise took his brother. And he remembers as a kid yelling, tell me why, why did you take my brother? Then the the little boy from the Chinese restaurant is like, who are you talking to or whatever? And he's like, he's like, if you ever hear something down there, don't go down there. And the little boy says, oh, I hear voices from my bathtub. And Bill has this moment, which I think is super fucking effective, where he looks at the kid and is like, oh, shit. Like, here is a tangible thing that Pennywise is fucking with. And he grabs the kid and he's like, don't you ever go down there. Don't you tell your parents to move. Tell your parents right now. You got to get out of this town. Everybody in the theater started laughing. Did everyone in the theater start laughing at that point for you? My theater was actually really empty, but oh, I dude, was laughing. I had a full house, and I'm telling you, everyone was laughing to the point where clearly that's how it plays. I didn't know if that's what they meant or if they meant it more seriously. Why? And again, when, he, when that little boy looks at him, he's like, why are you talking in the sewer? And like Bill doesn't know what to say. And Bill says, if you ever hear something down there, don't talk to it. And like you're like, okay. And then as Bill turns around, the little kid says, I only hear voices in the bathtub. And Bill does like a slow turn. The little boy, he says, what? He says, who, who do you hear? And the boy says, mostly children, like kids. That's creepy. fucking really scary. Creepy. Then right. you immediately, whether you meant to or not, you turn it into a joke with, man, 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 get out of here. You got to move. You lie. I don't, he says, I don't fucking care what you tell them. Everyone in my theater was laughing. What the fuck? It's funny because this kid is having the worst week ever. All of these like famous people just show up in his town and start like physically him. shaking him <laughs> and yelling at him and uh, get out of the fucking town. The kid's like, Jesus Christ. God, what a horrible week for that kid. <laughs> it ends really bad for him, too. And he goes to a fun house, gets eaten by a cloud. Yeah. While being chased by a famous writer. <laughs> but again, now I only went to film school for four years, but here's how you fix that scene. You have the kids say, I hear voices mostly in the in the bathtub and then he looks sheep and then he goes and sometimes and then he looks sheepish and Bill goes go ahead and he goes the kid shakes his head no and he goes do you hear a clown then the kid looks in his eyes and Bill says listen I heard the clown me and my friends used to hear that too don't listen if you don't listen the voices will stop you know what I mean and just hold on him that's all you need something like that you don't need to make it stupid it kept diffusing its own horror by going over the top and like again I like humor infused with horror, but it's a mandate now. Everything has to be infused with humor. Like even the superhero things like Thor is, is a punchline, right, right, which right. is yeah, really yeah. effective, which is effective for, you know, the Avengers. I like it when, you know, the talking raccoon throws a jab in there and you're like, ah, nice, you know, and that makes it fun. I don't go to horror movies to have a fun time. I go to get scared or to, to feel like, whoa, fucked up, you know, like it, it may be not fully on scared, but like yeah, you yeah. go to a horror movie for a different thing when... I'm laughing through most of my horror movie 
you know, Shaun of the Dead's a fun movie because it's full of jokes and horror. I don't want that in my it movie. I'm sorry, but I but like it's one thing for the kid Richie to be funny or like the little kids to have funny banter. I don't need them to be punchlines every time. Do you think it's punchlines every time, both in horror and you're right, I didn't think about, but in superheroes as well. Do you think that's because it's easier to write a joke, whether it's a good or a bad joke? I'm not saying comedy is necessarily any easier to write, but you think it's easier to write a joke to get out of a shot or to get out of a scene than it is to write an emotional impact or a scary situation? Do you think it's easier to just get out with a joke? Writing a joke, I think, is harder because guess what? You have to write that joke or the joke will come to you or you're you're writing it and like you and I always will watch a movie and we will be doing the jokes right. and laughing at them. All the horror movie had to do was nothing. All you needed to do, the kid goes, sometimes I hear a clown too. If you had just turned his face and just held it there for a second and then cut out, whoa, guess what? No joke, no punchline, no ending. It's just on him. Holy shit. You need to feel what he's feeling. And guess what? If you do a joke, you're not feeling what you're, he's feeling. He's pulling it out of you, pulling you out of it by going, ha, 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 ha. And it works. I mean, the jokes were funny. I thought everything Richie said had me cracking the fuck up. But it diffuses why I'm there to see the movie. It diffused all the moments that I felt could have been way more powerful. And this movie could have been PG-13 if you cut out all the bad language and maybe some of the more overt, like, like rape stuff. But, like, the, the, there's nothing about it that it couldn't have been really scary for kids. This is basically, yeah. like, a PG-13 movie. So Eddie goes to his old pharmacy. That's his fucking totem is he's got to go get some asthma medicine. So he goes in. He goes downstairs. And uh, he remembers when he was a kid that he had a vision of his mom being chained up and this weird leper coming after him and he leaves his mom to get eaten by the leper. He runs away. Okay, that's fine. He gets puked on, yeah. Then he, as a grown-up, he looks around and he's like, oh, look, there's nothing down here anymore. And he turns around, the leper's there. He starts getting, he fights with the leper and the leper is big. The leper is tall and he grabs it. As they're struggling, he eventually grabs it, grabs it around the neck. It's trying to stick its tongue in his mouth like it did to his mom which for him, a germaphobe and a weird, you know, afraid of everything guy, it's extra creepy. But then he grabs him by the shoulders and moves his hands to its neck. He pushes it against the opposite wall and he starts winning the fight. He starts choking it out. And the terrible CG face starts moving all over and it's wiggling and he's choking it. And I was like, wow, to me, it's special edition Star Wars. Look what we could do. We can make the nose open and close. Just do a pullover mask with a, or an animatronic mask. I don't need it to look uh, flipping out. Like, I don't need... It. I'm not watching that scene to see the pieces of the face move. I'm watching. You just hate CG though, because you hate you hate that it opens up possibles. No, no, no. Because like I said, this one has some like the balloons that came from under the bridge were well done. They looked good. Some of the Pennywise stuff looked good. Um, But like, why does it matter if his nose moves or doesn't move? Because to to me, the nose, the eyes, the mouth, the lips, everything was moving at the same time. And I feel that whoever made that decision was like, look at all the stuff we can do. When what I should have been looking at and thinking about was that Eddie was was starting to win this fight. That's what I thought. And then take the the CG thing about, because the CG thing I think was worse in the first one than in this one. And in this one, I'll give it a pass. Eddie starts to choke it and he's winning. And I'm like, oh, look, he is overcoming his fear. What is probably the weakest of the remaining losers is winning this fight. Then we have a slow motion barf scene where the leper is throwing up on him to music that we already heard in Deadpool. What the fuck? It's like, to, it's, it's the same thing of, wow, what a cool, ah, so, oh, you ruined it. It was so cool. And yeah, it I don't was know why, him why winning. the it was him music winning. came in. 
And the, the, when the I thought about weird. it, it was worth because it was making you laugh. It wanted to be like, look, look how funny this juxtaposition of silly music is with him getting barfed on. And you didn't expect that. No, I expected you to finish the scene because yeah. now, especially now that you and I know how the movie ends and the movie ends with them overcoming their fear and, you know, making Pennywise like he literally makes the uh, Eddie literally makes the, the, the leper shrink a little bit and he has it at bay by choking it with his bare hands because he is fighting back. He's no longer afraid, which is exactly how they kill Pennywise at the end. So you could say that this is the precursor to that. But then they ruin it with a stupid fucking joke again. And, you know, Richie goes to the movie theater and he finds a token and we get a flashback where he is playing video games, playing Street Fighter 2 with a kid. And he kind of is like, hey, you want to hang out some more, kid? And the kid's like, yeah, that could be fun. And then we see creepy um, Bowers. What's the bolt? Yeah, Bowers shows up and, and you, you realize that the kid is somehow related to Bowers and, you know, they call Richie gay uh, and, and chase him out of the movie theater. And I was like, oh, that's sad. And, and he remembers that. And then he gets attacked by a giant Paul Bunyan. But that moment in the movie theater apparently is way bigger than I knew because this is, this is leading into something that I don't think the movie really dealt with at all. But my wife's like, you didn't catch that? And I was like, what? She's like, Richie's gay. Yeah, at the like, end what? I caught that. I didn't get that at all. Even when, I, when the movie was over, I was like, oh, yeah. And she's like, yeah, he was gay. That's the big secret. And you're like, wait, what? I didn't follow that at all. The movie didn't explain well, the that movie at all. Ends like, with Richie, older Richie Tozier after Eddie, yeah. you know, spoiler alert, Eddie dies during the final battle. What? And uh, they vanquish Pennywise and they're all starting to go their separate ways. One of the things we see Richie do as he's leaving is he carves. We've, we saw him as a kid carving on a fence, but we couldn't see what he did. We now see that he had carved R, and, R plus E, so Richie and Eddie. So it means not only... They love each other as friends, but he loved him, loved him. He had a, I don't know, a little boy crush on him, which yeah. is fine, I guess. It doesn't, I don't think it adds anything. Actually, I would even go on the record and say there's nothing wrong with being gay and you can have as many gay characters in a movie as you want. But this movie was about friends that loved each other like family. And if you then make it romantic, I think it changes it, especially because we already have a love triangle going on in these seven kids. Now you're telling me two other kids may or may not like each other. There's nothing wrong with it. I, didn't, I guess I didn't even think about finding that totem. That whole story was more about the bullies scaring him yeah. than about the Paul Bunyan. He gets attacked by a giant creepy Paul Bunyan, which is creepy and, you know, big CGI thing, was which he probably book. hated. Yeah, it was in the book. So um, at least they did that. And then Pennywise shows up and Pennywise is acting real goofy at this moment. He's like, mm -hmm. rum, 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 dancing around, swinging his arm, making funny faces. And... Here's something that I thought was interesting is like, I, I don't mind when you juxtapose goofy with horror. Mm -hmm. Like he is a clown. Him right. being goofy is terrifying. Like when he's licking the window and he's got a super long dog tongue, I was like, that's really creepy because he's being goofy as fuck, but like he's going to murder this child. Sure. It didn't bother. That didn't bother me. And, and there's things about that, that like he's being goofy and I was like, you know, it's, it's effective, but then he does it to the camera where he's like, Wah! and like does the creepy ring head shake thing. And you're like, okay, that was to the camera, not to the character. Right. But he's like, I know your secret. I know your secret. I'm going to tell them all. And I'm oh, like, what I didn't secret? think about the secret, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. I'm going to tell them all. And again, at the end of the movie, I was like, and they, he teased this secret. And he didn't have a secret. And I don't know why they didn't bring that out. And Kate was like, the secret was he was gay. And I was like, what? How, how did you pick up more that this movie put down than I did? But it's like the movie just didn't address any of these things. So I was like, oh, wow. Wow. 
wow, I wish they had either either played that up more or like explained it. And again, I don't need over the top. I actually am really impressed that they snuck it under the radar for me. But like under the radar and non-existent are two right. different things. <laughs> well, again, I, I don't, I'm not worried about it. It doesn't bother me. But what does it change? Because that was not, unless I completely missed it in the book, that was not in the book. It definitely wasn't in the original miniseries. So what does that add to this? Why was that change made? Well, to be more again, PC? To, to say, hey, we made our characters gay. I, but again, if you have a gay character, I think that there's a lot of bravery and overcoming fear that, that he might have to do in his life. And sure. they didn't address any of that. Right. And so that that's could the thing is if really... you do that and you say, oh, look, he's gay. You know, he got bullied. Like, not only was he dealing with killer clowns, but also he was dealing with, you know, homophobes. Homophobia. You're like, yeah, oh, okay, and, and... wow. So he has, he had, you know, he was fighting a war on two fronts. But... The movie didn't say that. Didn't say that. Yeah, you didn't utilize one of the main strengths that you could have brought to that character or or, or the challenges that he had. And, uh, you know, again, they may be touched on that, but they didn't use that. And and I think that that's kind of a missed opportunity. But in a movie full of missed opportunities, the whole movie was one <laughs> giant missed opportunity. You had three hours to be a good movie and you missed that opportunity. So while we're talking about changes, essential changes that they made to the character... And this is jumping to the very, very end, but it's starting at the beginning. At the end of the movie, after the end, we, we'll, we'll talk about, you know, we'll, we'll continue to talk about how the movie works. But because this fits here, Stan kills himself at the beginning. At the end of the movie, the characters get a letter from Stan in which he explains why he killed himself. And unless I miss what they're saying, did you get from that that he explains to them that he killed himself? Because he couldn't do it, and he wanted to, by doing that, would make them stronger. By him killing himself, he would force them to stay together. I got it that he knew that he was going to be a weak little bitch, so he <laughs> killed himself so he wouldn't be the weakest link. And I'm like, uh, dude, have you seen your uh, little hypochondriac friend? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I got, no, see, I, I forget the wording now. I should, I should have looked this up, but he says something about, I took myself off the board. When he said that, I took that to mean that it was a calculated thing because he was the most log- logistical, the most logical of everybody, that he said to himself, if I'm not there, they're going to fight harder. They'll, they will stay together. If I take myself off the board, they won't take themselves off the board. And I thought that they were trying to take his cap, because he said, I'm not a coward. In the sense of this movie, I won't speak on suicide as a blanket thing, but in this movie, he takes the back door out. In the book, in the miniseries, he is so terrified of Pennywise and facing him again that he kills himself because he knows he can't do it. And that, to me, shows, before we even get started, that shows how scary Pennywise must be. That, must, that shows how much he must have gone through. And it also puts our protagonist in a terrible position where they're already at six, seven strength that they were to begin with let alone that they're all shaken now that their friend and their battle ally is now dead. And this, it's like, hey, guys, I did it for you. Don't worry. What the fuck is that? Again, it's just trying to be like, hey, remember that character that we couldn't figure out how to make him real <laughs> in the last movie? Uh, or in this movie, here's here's another humanizing thing, just in case it didn't work the rest of the movie. I just didn't like, like, that was a completely unnecessary thing for him to write them a note. And then in there, like, I don't know, the fact that he was so scared of it that he would kill himself, you know, leave his friends, and the oath. I mean, the oath is mentioned a couple times here, but the oath was a big deal in the book and the miniseries. They swore that oath. It was important. 
they say that a couple times here, but it's not that big deal. He leaves his wife. His wife finds him in the in the miniseries. She walks in and sees him dead and she starts screaming. And um maybe he has kids, but like he killed himself, took took himself out of everybody's life in such a terrible, scary way because he could not face that again. That's that's shit, that's scary. That sets the the tone for me immediately. Then send a yeah. letter at the end. Hey guys, I was thinking of you the whole time. Again, diffuses your horror, yeah. diffuses the importance of everything that you're trying to do. So Ben goes to the school for no reason because he already has his totem in his pocket for whatever reason. Right. So he goes to the school and we get this moment where like Bev, like creepy Pennywise Bev is on fire chasing him and he hides in the locker and they telegraph the shit out of the scare because there's like a poster in the locker, which how big is this locker, by the way? Yeah. To fit not only a kid. But the fat kid. Yeah. And they're trying to make you think that he's peeking through the little slits in the locker. They, they, you know, you're expecting the scare to be there. I'm not because right behind him, there's a poster with this guy's face. And I'm like, the Jordan going to be there in the next on minute the block, or two. For those of you who didn't know. I was hoping that the poster Correct. would come alive. Yeah. Uh, same boat. Same boat. Which would have been awesome if the poster had started being some saying some shit to him. But I mean, you probably could have gotten that guy from New Kids on the Block to reprise his role for yeah, that what moment. What is he doing? What's now? he doing? Right? <laughs> yeah, nothing. Getting residuals from it part two. <laughs> you know, the clown chases him, and it's like, all right, fine. Although great. I gotta say, although that scare was completely telegraphed, and I've seen it a billion times before, when Ben turns around and it's the clown there instead of the poster, it wasn't a stutter step, ring stop motion thing. It was a regular motion scare. Okay, I'll give it to you. One of the two yeah, or three times right. that that didn't happen, and I was like, okay, that works. It was. I mean, it's, it's telegraphed, but okay. Yeah, I mean, it worked. But again, it was, uh, yeah, you're just like, all right, missed opportunity. Are there any other good totem moments? You know, we talked over the Beverly one. Oh, the Beverly scene I thought was a good scene. I thought a I lot it. of what they did was creepy. There's, you just uh, didn't, didn't like that it was a bog witch and not her dad? Well, again, first of all, I got to give the movie credit because you and me, we've read the scene before in a book. We've seen it before in a miniseries. And the miniseries did it okay, and I think the miniseries did it similar to how the book had it. So, you can't, like, if it just did what was in the book, we, you and I would be sitting here complaining that we already saw it, right? So, I, gotta, I understand that. It's got to be different. I like that she found her totem in the wall. I like that the woman said something, oh, don't be so polite, because that was just a little bit weird. You and I and most audience goers will know right away that that's Pennywise fucking with her somehow. But I like that that was a little bit different thing. And the, in the miniseries, she was slurping tea like a dog. In this one, she was being a little bit weird. And then she also would stare at her with one eye slightly bigger. I'm on board with all that. Then the woman walks into the background in the kitchen, which is dark. And then we see, as if we're a fly on a wall, Beverly's looking at us, ostensibly looking at pictures that are on the same wall we are. We're looking over Beverly's shoulder into the kitchen where she can't see. And the woman walks by two times doing that ring walk. Why does it have to always be the motherfucking ring walk? If she had just walked by creepy... Why do you have to be on all fours barking like a dog out of the closet? Like, it's unsettling. It's something that isn't natural and that should be unsettling. But it's every single... Like, I'm telling you, four out of five times in this movie, it was that ring walk. Couldn't it be something different? What if it was completely the opposite? What if it was a ballerina-like movement? We see there's a shot of the old woman leaning her head into the doorway and then leaning out. That's fine. That was creepy. Why did it always... Always. What, the way that I was thinking of it is, and you and I are not the biggest romantic movie, you know, romance movie watchers, but if every time you wanted your audience to be excited about the love, if you had two people kissing in the rain every single time, you'd be tired of it. 
If you watched a romance movie and every time there was a connection made in that movie, they were kissing outside in the rain, it would get boring. That's how I feel this movie is. I guess that's a point. Yeah, that's a good point. So, like, I'm not saying that stutter step thing doesn't work. I'm saying it doesn't work four times in a row in the same film. But what if that's how Pennywise walked? What if you're just bashing on his walk, dude? That's how he walks naturally. Racist. (laughs) (laughs) You, sir, are clownist. That's his secret. Yeah, Richie was like, I know your (laughs) secret. That's how you walk. (laughs) That's how you walk. And he was like, yeah. Well, just it's a it's a it's a device or not a device. I don't even what you call it. Uh, uh, It's not a trope. It's not a device. It's just a, a, a thing that is overdone in horror right now. And it is unsettling. I agree because it is very far from human. But that's like saying make every one of your antagonists physically deformed, have, you know, their eyes completely offset, have your mouth completely asymmetrical. Humans are not used to that. It automatically makes a separation between you and me if you look that much different than me. And this movie does that, too. It just didn't do it as many times as the stutters thing. Now, Hmm. you hear clomp, 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 and this naked bog witch comes running out. I totally didn't expect that. And I literally expected there to be stop motion that stutter step thing running out. So the fact that it wasn't running out in stutter step in that exact shot, that was my takeaway. I was like, oh, surprised. And she runs away. It chases her. And then she opens the door or a door down the hallway opens and it's Pennywise without his makeup putting his makeup on, which I thought was very interesting because think of this. Why would Pennywise show her that? Of all the things it could have shown her behind the door, why was it showing her quote unquote, his human form, putting makeup on and then clawing at his own face rather than the, the already made up clown, rather than her father, rather than the bog witch. I thought that was a very interesting thing. And then I thought to myself, you know, the woman, the old woman was saying that she was with her father and her father became the circus. They're implying that her father was Pennywise. There's pictures of a young girl with Pennywise. Then I was like, wait, is that part of Beverly's bloodline? Are you trying to imply to Beverly that she is somehow related? To Pennywise, now I'm sure that's me overthinking what was a rash, quick decision made last minute for, by the production, but why else would Pennywise choose that? Not a giant praying mantis, not the giant teeth mouth. Why that? Interesting, right? Yeah, that is interesting. I, I mean, I, I liked it. I thought it was really effective because you see it from a different light and you kind of see, again, it's teasing on the history of mm-hmm. Derry. Yeah, yeah. Which this movie could have cut out 45 minutes of totem hunting and hey, where where are they now moments. If you had started at the Chinese restaurant with and cut out quite a bit of the everybody gets a phone call moment, because I was getting really tired of that at at the beginning of the movie. It's like, okay, I get it. I get it. Okay, just just move on with the show. Like you can explain all those things in a better fashion and you could have shown more history of dairy stuff. Yeah, yeah. Because there's a lot of things in the book. That's part of my favorite part of the book is when it's like when they discover that there's a history to it. Yes, yes. I think that that's part of it and maybe part of what she's seeing is a glimpse into that history. I don't know why she got to see that and not the guy who runs the library, but you know, whatever. I thought I did think it was a good thing. I thought it was different. I certainly didn't expect that. And it worked. I thought that was a cool, like because he didn't fucking run at her. He sat down the whole goddamn scene. He put his, he was putting his makeup on. She watched him put his clown white on and then he dug his fingers through to make the red. He didn't fucking run at her. It looked great. <laughs> it was cool, yeah. And it was scary as hell. It was a really creepy moment. I like that. Try and think what are what were the what are the other totem moments? The we got the Ben the already leper. had his shit in his wallet. He went to the school. But then like we get come back to Mike and like he Mike doesn't later get one. had a rock. From the rock fight from but the first movie. We don't movie, see but, him pick it up, right? But like 
again, they're shafting Mike. They they screwed him the first movie. They just ignored that kid. They showed a couple moments of him, but they didn't build his character at all. They don't even build him to why he would be into the library stuff. And then in this movie, like he's in the library and you're like, okay, well, he's going to see some creepy shit. No, he gets attacked by the bully who the bully's been riding around in a sweet Grand Am with a, a firebird with a zombie. Yeah, where's that deleted the, scene? I would watch the shit out of that show. <laughs> you know, creepy, crazy bully guy, zombie dude, who, who's another one of the bullies from the first movie. Right. Um, they're riding around in a cool firebird and he shows up and starts stabbing people every now and then. But like, again, where's why is that happening? Can I why tell you why that don't we get to see more of that? That bully stuff was some of my favorite stuff and what I thought was some of the most effective stuff in this movie. You meet um, Bowers, Henry Bowers. There's a quick flashback that the movie does a couple things stylistically that I think are very weird. This is one of them. We're dealing with a current stuff, and we go into the sewer, and we see a giant flood wave push all these dead kid body parts and parts out of the sewer, and in it is young Henry Bowers. And you're like, wait, did we just jump in time? Yeah, we did. Henry Bowers gets arrested. We jump forward in time. Now he's in a mental institution. Okay, fine. The balloon comes back out and, you know, it's signaling to Henry Bowers and us that it is calling on Henry Bowers. That's fine. It sends a, you know, the zombified friend of his, you know, bully friend to get him out of jail, gives him his, gives him his knife back, which I always thought was really cool that it, Pennywise, was somehow able to physically give him his old weapon back and he escapes, presumably to go after the seven, right? Or the six. Okay, cool. He attacks and it does a good job it was one of those things that like it happens and then there's multiple points in the movie where i remembered hey not only do i know this story but henry bowers is still out there because in the miniseries he kind of pops back up and he attacks them at a time where pennywise couldn't so henry bowers in this in this movie part two he surprises eddie and stabs eddie right in the cheekbone and the knife is sticking out of eddie's face it's horrifying and Eddie is trying to understand, holy shit, this is Henry Bowers. And then they make jokes. Eddie is talking, making, saying funny things with the knife sticking out of his face, saying it weird because it's holding his lip up, which I thought was great. But it's jokes. And then Eddie backs into a shower stall and pulls this, the curtain closed. And Henry Bowers moves in to finish the kill. And Eddie stabs him through the shower curtain, which I thought was fucking cool. It was such a cool scene. And it's one of those things that I think when Stephen King is on, he does right, where he's like, hey, there's this supernatural, you know, bigger than life, can't be actually believed threat, but also this human element that's also a threat that you got to watch out for. And now you're like, it's hitting Eddie. It was hitting me at the same time. I love this scene. And Eddie goes, cut your hair. You had a mullet for the last 30 years and leaves. And you're like, you did the fucking joke too soon again. Make that joke in a minute and a half after the tension from this scene leaves my blood. Right now, you're just diffusing your whole goddamn thing. Yeah. You know what The Exorcist doesn't have? Jokes. Yes. They let it ride. Let it ride. Let let your audience be scared. Scare the shit out of them. Make it almost to the point that they're like, oh my God, I don't know if I can handle this. You don't give them that moment. You just thought of every funny spot there could be a joke and did it. The mullet joke could have been moments later when they have him downstairs and he's got to, you know, exactly. they're up his face. There was a and he's spot like, for it. He still had that stupid fucking mullet. And Absolutely. he would have still laughed. But when you made me laugh, immediately, there's, you don't let it ride. You don't let the fear ride. And I think that's a huge mistake. And again, it's just the more and more I go to movies, the more I'm like, people don't know how to make movies anymore. Yeah. The last movie that I saw in theaters that I thought was actually pretty good was Us. 
And even though that had its own problems, at least it let the fear linger. It, it made its point and it made it work and it made it well. And I mean, it might not be the best horror movie, but it was a solid horror movie. No, I agree with that. And I think it, that's the thing is it, it's you might have had a problem with this part of the story or this scene or this shot, but the bones were there. Right. When you think about when people yeah. talk about like that kind of stuff, the structure was there. The parts were there. The theme was there. All the elements were there. This movie's definitely missing a couple elements or shoot, at least shoots itself in the foot with a couple elements. Oh, every time. He doesn't know how to exit a scene. Everything felt so compartmentalized. Like I said, skip to the next deleted scene. This is all deleted scenes on DVDs just strung together. That's why you could make like a three-hour long supercut of this movie and probably pretty good. Mm. So then we get back to the library and the bully attacks Mike and Richie shows up and axes him in the head with a with a hatchet. And you're like, okay, and immediately starts telling jokes. Right. I just killed a fucking guy. And you're like, ha, 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 ha. And they were funny. I'm laughing. I think the jokes were good. But again, wait a minute. Let the beat stand. And they come in, you know, they, they reconvene. And then at that same time, what's his face? Bill is off trying to save the kid at the carnival. Mm-hmm. And you're like, OK, great. They all decide that they're going to the same place Bill's going to fight this clown. Stupid waste of time. You've wasted my time again. They all show up to the creepy house and they go inside and, um, you know, jokes, jokes, jokes. Ha ha ha. And then they get separated. And a small group of them are stuck in the kitchen. A small group of them are stuck in the entryway. And Ben starts getting like carved into his chest through the mirror, which is a creepy moment. And in the other room, Stanley, young Stanley is in the refrigerator and his head falls off, sprouts spider legs. And they have this creepy like uh, John Carpenter's thing moment of the spider attacking them, which was pretty crazy. You got the lion homage, right? You got to be fucking kidding me. Yeah, one of them says, you got to be fucking kidding me, which I was like, okay. And I thought the spider head scene was pretty cool, but it's like, you know, you're just filling the moments to be creepy. And the thing is, that was cool, but that's the best thing that this ancient evil entity could do to scare these people that he knows so intimately was... But again, what if it is a reference to the movie? Which, which they would have seen and they would have known. Yeah. Yeah, I'm fine with that, but tell me. In the book, they reference, you know, the old horror movies. And in this one, it's like, maybe that is, but it's a cool scene. Then they they go down into the basement after fucking up this spider head. <laughs> and they go down in the well and they go down and they're crawling through the sewers and they find where they beat him the first time. And we get some flashbacks there and that's kind of cool. And then at the in the pile, there's a, a like a secret ancient portal that they open up a hatch and they go deeper into the earth and they get down there and this is where our big final battle happens so they go to this like giant it it almost looks like um a meteor crash liquid frozen in time splash yeah it always looks like there's actually i'm pretty sure in stephen king's cycle of the werewolf there's a reference to throwing hot um hot cider or hot something on the snow and it flash freezes and then you pick it up and lick it like candy and I believe a werewolf kills somebody and their blood does that. And that's how he explains it. That's what this shit looks like. It looks almost like sugar candy, like rock candy splattered up. Whatever. Yeah. Why is it a meteorite? But fucking fine. Okay, so here, here is where we have to kill it. We have to do our fucking seance, our ritual down here. The ritual of chewed. Did you bring the, the leather-bound trash can? Yep. Did you guys bring all your shit? Because we have to, uh, we have to burn it because dark covers the light. What? Fire? You're telling me fire burning that shit creates darkness? Okay, fine. I didn't see the vision, so I'll just trust you. Yeah. Then you find out the trash can has four sides, and for some reason, Mike chopped up one of the sides so they couldn't see it, and that's the vision that shows that during the ceremony, all the Indians that were trying to kill Pennywise died. And then Mike yells out, it's because they didn't believe. Okay. 
Okay. Why is any of that necessary? It doesn't matter. Uh, so they, you know, it, again, it fails and it's a, a really big, they like... burn all their totems in this little trash can. And then it fails and the, the Pennywise comes out and starts fucking with them. He's chasing oh, them. And he's the throwing ceiling them is walls. a giant tooth vagina, right? Cool, little cool. Little Sarlacc yeah. thing. Which yeah. also Pennywise, we, oversee, we later see Pennywise open his mouth and his whole head is a gi- the same giant tooth vagina. The deadlights, yeah. which are three balls, start falling from the ceiling behind Pennywise. He's chasing them around and like the balls are floating around him. Everything's like fucking in strobe light from here on out. They get separated again because they can't do anything with these people in the same room at any one and time. And Pennywise is now from the waist. He's he. You know what he is? He's a Gremlins 2 spider. Yes, he is. He's a giant clown head with a spider body, which... A sp- clown eh, upper know, body. I like the, I would, the other shitty, the 90s spider looks stupid, but at least it was a spider. This is like, fine, it fits in the realm of what this is. Okay, I'm fine with it. I, although, here's what I lose, it loses me, though. This is the third, if not fourth, giant thing in this movie that attacks these kids. This giant spider. Paul Bunyan was a giant. Giant bog monster. The leper was very tall in the, in the basement. Why is everything literally so giant? Is that a play on the fact that later, like, in a minute, we're going to try to make him smaller to fight him? If so, yeah. you got I feel like you have to draw more attention to that. Right now, it just seems that Pennywise is trying to be giant to be giant. Well, then they separate everybody, and Ben is, he's in their clubhouse, and dirt's falling on him. He's getting drowning in dirt. And then Beverly, Beverly gets sucked into the, like, high school bathroom that they were in, or grade school bathroom, and it starts filling up with blood, and she's drowning in blood. Richie and Eddie are, like, back to the three doors. Not scary at all. Scary and very scary, right? They kind of play around with that shit as being kind of goofy. That was the uh, one joke that I like, is they open the, they're like, this is what he wants us to think. So they open the very scary, and it's something scary. Then they open the not scary at all, and it's a, a puppy Pomeranian, which is something that Richie said earlier he hoped was there. Yeah. They should have just closed that door on the puppy and been like, oh, because they said, oh, no, we're not falling for this again. And then they're like, well, he's so cute. And then they say, sit. And he sits. They stay. And then they lean in and it turns into a giant monster puppy. It's, but that was funny. That was, that was, was the funny. one joke in the movie that I would have left in as it, like pretty much as it was. I, it's not my favorite thing in the movie, but like it worked. It was fine. You could put a joke there because it didn't spoil it. The tension was... Is that gonna be? Is that dog gonna do something? What's that dog gonna do? You know, and they're like, okay, they knew it too, so you're with them. It's a good, uh, you're sharing the same point of view. And you knew it was gonna happen. And then the right. dog came out and chased them for a little bit, and they ran away. But like this whole fight is super disconnected because again, like they're all separated, and they injure the clown, and they beat him up. Can we just jump do to the they moment? Injure him? Do okay. They? Well, he, first they do the ritual, really. and he flat out says it didn't work. Didn't. Didn't work. Don't bitches. really explain why. Mike explains Richie, why it didn't work before. Or, Eddie throws a like a fence post at him, and it kind of injures him. And he gets impaled, and he's like, "I got him!" And then he gets Dave's impaled Richie, by right because Richie was yeah. going to go into the deadlight, so he pay him. He harpoons him with this thing, and he's screaming, and he falls down, and he's like, "I killed him! I killed him!" Then Pennywise gets back up, and there's no discernible difference in power level to me, and I can't stand this. It either hurt him or it didn't. And I feel like you need, it's your job as the movie or the filmmakers to tell us that. Did that do anything? Did that take some of his power away? Did that take some of his confidence away? Did that give our heroes conf- more confidence so now they're at a stronger point? Or did it just save Richie in that one exact moment? We don't really know. They, they, they don't do anything and they don't build on any of the themes that they keep laying out and being like, guys, this is important. Friendship's important. Bravery is important. They, they don't play on any of it. Right. It doesn't lead to anything. All the actions have a zero sum, which is like, okay, 
That that is that's the shittiest part about when you say something's important, make it important. Sure. If it's not important, then pivot. And they never do any of that. So the clown's like, I got you now. I'm going to fucking kill you. And he's like coming down on them. And they're like, I guess this is it, guys. And then Mike's like, guys, <laughs> there's other ways we can make people small. Oh, because they say we they're going to try to lure him oh, into yeah, the they're small lure cavern him that he has to into get out. Like, to get out through that yeah. manhole, he's got to be small. So they're going to get him. Oh, because the ancient you know, Native Americans said the evil has to follow the rules of the form it inhibits. Now, we've watched okay. this clown morph multiple times, so how could that even be true? But okay, fine. Yeah. So they want to make him small. They realize they can't get him <laughs> yeah. through the, the doorway. They're not going to be able They're to get cornered, him there. Yeah. And then Mike has this fucking epiphany. And he's like, guys, there's other ways you can make people small. The whole time the clown is about to kill them, and it's like he literally like goes, time, time out, time out. I need a little huddle here. And, like, and like they have this whole discussion, and it was like, the, like are you fucking serious? Don't explain it. If he had literally just been like, okay, I accept my death. Fuck you. You're a stupid clown. You're a clown. And if he had just started yelling at Pennywise and it started hurting him, I would have bought it. But he had to literally like goes, okay, audience, (laughs) here's what's about to happen. We're going to start saying like mean things to the clown and he's going to be sad about it. And that's what's going to make him small. I get it. I've seen this in movies before. I don't believe in you. You're not real. You know, any of that shit. You know, say my name, Bastion. Any of that shit. I've seen it a million uh, times in a million movies. Well, the miniseries, Eddie Kasperzak leans into Pennywise and he says, I believe in the Easter Bunny. I believe in Santa Claus, but I don't believe in you. Oh, like yeah. the, the grown-up says that. I feel yeah. like that line, although a little silly and made for television, serves the same purpose as Mike saying, hey guys, here is the XYZ exactly of what's happening. I'm going to spell all if- of it out for you. If he had just started doing it and they all go, oh, we're adults who are smart. I understand what's happening here. <laughs> I respect my audience's intelligence enough to assume that they will understand what's happening. There are other ways to make people small. Oh, my God. Barf, barf, barf. It would have oh been better if, if, if like Beverly looked and went, oh, you mean emotionally small. <laughs> <laughs> my husband does that to me all the time. Yeah. Like, they literally have this like board meeting would be like, as a homosexual male. I understand that that would work like this as well. I have often felt belittled. And it's like, guys, stop it. Like, don't over explain <laughs> this fucking shit. You've just, look, you've spent this entire movie wasting my time and now you're doing it before the final battle. So then they belittle the clown. And he's like, oh, no. Uh, and he gets really tiny and flat. And then they pull his heart out and squish it. The end. But not before he does a super CG enhanced bleh, right at the camera again. Okay, you got me. Gotta get, gotta get that one more in. I'm fine with that ending, but like you said, it shouldn't be overexplained. And the entire movie does find these totems to do this fucking ritual that made no difference. And again, it would be one thing if he said, even if it was a wild line, which would have been cheap, but would have been worth it, if he said, the ritual hurt him, now we can fight him this way. Okay, fine, stupid, but fine. They didn't even say that, so it makes me feel like the whole movie, all that totem bullshit, didn't matter. Cut out the first 20 minutes of the movie show me the Chinese restaurant, scare me there, cut out all the totem bullshit and just show more history of dairy and more flashback shit, but show them bonding as people. Go to the fucking final battle. Don't over explain this shit. Kill the clown the same way. The movie's there. They just wasted my time for most of it. Yeah. And it's like the, the saddest thing about it is like the acting was cool. Visually, I liked what they did. The clown was scary, but it none of it worked as a movie. You didn't make a movie. You made an amalgamation of cobbled scenes that had no coherence. Yeah, you know what? If, <laughs> I didn't think of this till just now. You know what it feels like? A couple years what? ago, right after college, I didn't have a lot of money. 
So I did a couple Christmases where like I made my family their gifts and I took all of our home movies and I made my sister Aubrey this fucking super funny like remember when video where like I editorialized shit and I added sound effects and it was really fucking funny. But in the first video I made, I used all of the great clips. So next Christmas when I still didn't have a ton of money and I did the same thing, all I had was the B and C storylines. And that's what this movie was. This movie yep. was, oh shit, we told all the best parts of this last time. Have you ever seen a movie called The Big Chill? Yes. Great movie. I've had dinner with the writer of The Big Chill in a what? random weird, he was a weirdo. I know you're listening, writer of Big Chill, but he also wrote Die Hard 4, which took place on Oil Rig, the original one. Meh. The Big Chill is one of those movies that does an amazing job of bringing adults together and showing what their state of mind is. Yeah. This movie was supposed to do that. What friendship and people coming back, any like uh, high school reunion movie or college reunion movie, any movie that brings people back together, like the Royal Tannenbaums does a better job of this than this movie. <laughs> it's like they didn't do their homework. They literally just watched the first movie and read, maybe read the book. It's like they didn't look at how do you make a movie about adults coming together and how you show their emotional mental states. Well, I still feel aside from my, the fact that I don't think they crafted a good scare, the cr- fact that they way too much rely on that, that ring walk bullshit. I feel like the fact, like, it's just, it was incoherent as far as how the pieces fit together. It's like if you watch Psycho and anytime you saw Norman Bates, he was just killing another, like a random woman. And the main woman's sister and boyfriend the whole time were putting the clues together, but were nowhere near Norman Bates the whole movie. Like Pennywise and the main characters in this movie didn't really come together until the last scene. And it was in such a mishmash way where everything the main characters done the whole movie didn't really make sense. And it didn't matter. It didn't really matter towards the end. It did nothing to make you care about the characters. At no point were you worried about Pennywise stopping them until the final battle. You know what I mean? Like yep. in the miniseries and in the book, Pennywise keeps coming at them while they're adults to try to break them apart and to try uses yep. Henry Bowers as a pry bar to kind of get between them and to kind of hurt them in ways he can't. Okay, cool. That's I guess they kind of did that in this one. But I feel like it was just a very disjointed effort as far as shit kind of so, just thrown together. And then there's some weird things at the end. So uh, Beverly finds out the whole time she has this poem that really like that was her totem and it brought a lot to her. And she thought Bill wrote it mm-hmm. when in reality, Ben wrote it. And at the end, she finds out Ben wrote it and she's like, oh, I love you now. And it's <laughs> yeah. like, wait a second. You still fell in love with Bill. Right. Why is who wrote the letter suddenly changed that? It might make you appreciate him more, but you had this mental infatuation with Bill that made you fall in love with him. And now suddenly you're like, oh, Ben, transfer, boop. And suddenly she's in love with Ben. Like, you have some serious boyfriend problems. And you've seen that. Your father was abusive. Your current husband's abusive. And now you're just obsessed with whoever wrote this letter. Well, she'll stick with whichever one smacks her around. (laughs) I know. And at least they're both rich, so she'll be fine. Well, dude, we are, in, especially in a movie like this that handles sexuality and sexual preference in such a way, let's call a spade a spade and say Ben is way better looking than Bill. I would have <laughs> dropped Bill, too, to go with Ben. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't have that annoying stutter, either. Oh, was the- <laughs> yeah, Get, he gets to the point faster, and he's handsome. Um, I feel like that. Yeah, that, that the quote-unquote love story there was kind of written like uh, Attack of the Clones, where you're just like, oh, I'm in love with you now. Oh, I'm in love with you now. And you're like, all right, I guess because I'm watching this, I'll believe that. Because like, it's so, yeah, because your emotions are so transferable that quickly. In the, oh, the miniseries and in the book, there's a whole scene where they say, 
wait, I realize now you wrote the letter. And they kind of spill it, they spill shit to each other and then go through an adventure where they fall in love with each other. Whereas in this one, she's like, oh man, I fucking love Bill. Hey, I'll save you, you save me. Cool. After the fact. Wait, that was you? Are you single? <laughs> this movie tried to include a lot more. Like the ritual chart, that's a hard thing to put together. And the miniseries really kind of no didn't space uh, touch it at all. Neither one of them touched the giant space turtle. Yeah, right. The giant space turtle wasn't in this movie. It also didn't... Flying through time and space. This movie also didn't address the uh, child uh, group sex that was in the book. Which I will, have, again, go on record and say, although completely inappropriate and weird, I kind of get what he was doing there. Oh, I get what he was trying to do. Make the book sexy. <laughs> <laughs> so wrong. He did it wrong because the end of all his books sucked. Yeah, I'm really glad they didn't touch that because that was the weirdest part of the book. You know, at the end, they all kind of come together and you get to see them all kind of go their separate ways. And at the end, you get the feeling that they're going to be all right. And uh, Mike calls Bill and he's like, hey, man, we did it. And he's like, I, I finally think I'm going to go see the world and not be trapped in dairy. He's like, you do it, man. I love you. I love you, too, bro. And it's a nice moment. You know, it's a nice moment, too. They're in the they go to the rock quarry which is completely yeah. not mentioned in this movie until the, the end of the movie. It was important in the first one and important in the books and stuff. Because uh, they, they all go to, jump together. Yeah. yeah, they go together. They jump in. They're washing you know, the blood and the dirt and I guess the experience off of them. And they have this touching moment where Richie is crying and they're all hugging each other. And it's, I thought it was very touched when Richie started crying. And they did throw yeah. a joke in there, but I thought it was kind of well-timed. But uh, they're like, you know who would have loved... You know, Eddie wouldn't have liked this. We're swimming in dirty water. Eddie, Eddie, Eddie. Yeah, Eddie, Eddie. Anyone remember that there used to be seven of you? Stan is also <laughs> not here. And Stan also probably would have been part of this experience. They were like, nope, not really worried about that. Yeah, well, they totally, because they totally whiffed on Stan, that's why they had to include the stupid letter at the end. Well, I have to give it some points for the ending, though, because although it was a complete total uh, uh, a theme and, and, and tone shift, it got very much into love your friends, think about the people who you grew up with and how life changes you. And, you know, there is a scene in the movie where um, Stan is having his, his bar mitzvah and he's talking about how, like, do people, when do grownups still hang out with, with middle school friends? And, you know, do your, there was a scene with all the, the losers and they're talking, do your parents hang out with their middle school friends? And like, no, mine yeah. don't. I don't. I still have, yeah. like, one of my best friends is still Joey Dunn, my best friend from elementary school, but I don't talk to him all the time. Although, if he called me and said, hey, that killer clown that we fought is back, I would fucking go for sure. But that's not, like, I think most of us don't have those friendships that last that long. And I, like I said at the beginning of this episode, I think the movie, is, uh, the story is kind of an allegory to growing up and all the shit, good and bad, that you go to. Because those kids loved each other, and even though they had a fucked up childhood, there's a lot of that stuff that they love and that they do want to remember. And I think that that goes for everybody. And I feel that this yeah. movie, though flawed, and this end, though heavy-handed, really did set that nice tone and also kind of put a fucked-up movie on, like, a nice ending note where they're like, hey, you know, love your friends. It kind of made me feel like I wanted to reach out to some of my friends from high school who I might not have talked to in years. Just be like, hey, man, I don't know what's going on now, but, you know, I had a great time with you in high school. I just want to say, hey, what's up? So that, that's kind of like what, what I was thinking about the movie. At the end. I agree. I, I think, though it didn't make me want to pull a Stanley and slip my wrists, it was, um, <laughs> you know, it had a nice, nice, warm, feely, touchy-feely ending. And, you know, I like it for that. But I don't want to buy this movie until they give me the super cut that actually, like, fits, like, the secret, like, yeah. four-hour miniseries version. 
it's you know it's is it better overall than the original Maybe. the original miniseries like it's more yeah i i think it does certain things a lot better and and is able to be more mature about it and show you more but i certainly think the pennywise kills work better in this series but at the end of the day the second one just felt very um unsure of how to deal with any of its characters or any of its themes in a way that wrapped it all together. And that's just poor script writing. If you had to get one, you had to get the new version or the old version. Which one are you getting? Or I guess you have to watch them or you have to buy them. You have to buy them. You have to spend $10 on one of them. Which one are you going to spend $10 on? Terrifier. Uh, really? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> nothing wrong with it. It was just very formulaic and very like clown, clownish chasing a girl. That's it. I like that better than any of these because at the end of the day, everything it set out to do, it did. He killed that girl and wore her <laughs> boobs like a fucking vest. <laughs> All right. Well, let me let me let me get into some other here overall thoughts for the movie. Maybe the original was the was the more like if you, iconic. If, if one. you have to pick one to be the one, well, the original one's a complete piece. This yeah, one yeah, yeah. felt like one movie and a bunch of extra features. Uh, I, I agree. I agree with that. Yeah. Although I was very surprised walking out of there, I was, and also for a movie that was two hours and forty nine minutes. I wasn't looking at I looked at my watch two times, both times, and I do this often while watching a movie, just to see where we are in the story, pacing-wise, but at no point was I like, when is this going to end? And I saw that shit late, and I'm an old man. My movie yeah. ended at 11.30. That's fucking like, 11.30 is like midnight to me. It, it Yeah, the timing the timing didn't bother me. My wife was checking her watch constantly. She oh, was no. bored. <laughs> yeah. I own the toy of the Tim Curry Pennywise. Dude, the toy of the Tim Curry Pennywise is on a shelf in my four-month-old room. <laughs> he loves clowns. Think of your friends that you grew up with. Let's say late, let's say middle school friends. Okay. Do you guys, any friends, I mean, I know you didn't go through this experience, but would you trust any of your friends or maybe any of your friends from your past to come back and help you kill the ultimate evil? I got some high school friends that could come kill some ultimate evil for sure. And assuming that you've already did it once, it's not like you're calling them now and selling them on the fact that they have to kill an ultimate evil. Hey guys, I know we never killed any clowns together, but you want to come help me kill a clown? And they're like, what? Come on. It'll be fun. I'll, I'll, I'll whip up a new D and D adventure for you while we're at it. Just for old time's sakes. I think my, my best friend from, from growing up fifth grade, he would do it for sure. For sure. Yeah. He would do it. Probably my best friend from high school, Kevin. I think he would do it. You you would do it, I feel like. Oh, dude, if you told me you had a clown to kill, I'd be there in a second. I'd be like, where's he at? <laughs> Show me his stupid red nose. But I think, and I would be there for you as well, but I know, I would say at least 50% of that is not necessarily based on friendship and love, but 50% is like, fucking adventure. It's like when we like yeah. stop robberies and like get guys in, in quilts who are robbing copper pipes from the house being built next to us. Like, yeah. shit, we gotta go kill that clown. <laughs> gotta go kill that clown. I'm so down. Well, how Point about me to that clown. How about this? It, 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 taking the what you said at the beginning of this, assuming that each of the losers is kind of like a um, a trope character. Which one are you? Which loser are you in your in your group? Oh man, Stanley, Stanley for sure. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just playing. Um, I mean, I I I think I'm I'm either the the goofball Richie or I'm. Or I'm Eddie. I'm the one who is like, no, uh, uh, guy, uh, climbing down the hole, gross. And then like you, you get over. Dude, it I'm definitely and... putting fucking shower caps on with spiders in my hair. I thought that was fucking funny as hell. Yeah, put the shower that was caps really on funny. in the woods so you didn't get spiders. That's me for sure. I'm definitely Bev because I'm the hot redhead. Ah, <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs>
You'll have to pick up smoking though, which I, I don't see you doing anytime soon. If it makes me look hotter, I will. If it if it helps me get a fat turned <laughs> handsome architect, hell yeah, I'll do that shit. Get a hell little, yeah. Get a little bill kiss on the side and then swoop over to the handsome one. Damn straight. Which also uh, we never really resolve. Uh, I want to know how, how Bill's movie turned out. Oh, I thought you were going to say I want to know how Beverly ended up leaving Bill because I think she'd be like, Hey, Bill, uh, I know we have feelings for each other, but I think we should just be f- 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 friends. friends. <laughs> <laughs> I love that he looks over and sees them kissing. And at first he's like, motherfucker. And then he's like, nice. In the book, do you remember if in the book, and I believe it is, I think the book ends the same way the, the miniseries does with Audra coming to investigate. Yes, because Audra does come. I know she comes in the book because it grabs Audra, his girlfriend, and has her down in the catacombs. And he rescues her, but she's in a... Uh, She's in a coma, but then he puts her on silver and he's flying down the road and she wakes up. Remember that? Yeah. I think that's actually very important. Now, clearly they didn't play up silver at all in this, in this new movies, but do you, well, I guess that's a whole nother bag of worms, but you think that's an important scene? It gives Bill, well, it, you know what it is? It's character development, which is why they didn't do it because they didn't have time to talk about how everybody's lives ended up. It's a good, it's a good deleted scene. (laughs) Wouldn't it be funny if this movie gets released on Blu-ray and it has, instead of deleted scenes, it has a deleted movie? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. All right, God. so here's my, yeah. last, my last one for you. Okay. This, I mean, every in, incantation, in, incarnation, every incarnation of It, the book, the miniseries, both of these Get movies. Get it out, Bill. <laughs> he thrusts his fists against the post and still insists he sees the ghost. Nice. Good pull. Good pull. So. All of these, it feeds on your fears, right? And he can't uh-huh. harm you if you don't believe him, right? Numerous times, you know, even in this movie, young Richie is being menaced by giant Paul Bunyan. He says, it's not real, it's not real, and it goes away. Do you think you can, you could do that in that situation? Do you think you could say, okay, I'm going back to this haunted town, and it's going to do everything it can to scare me, including impersonate my friends and my lovers and my dead brother. Can you, can you... Use your force of willpower. It's almost like the Green Lantern ring, right? The Green Lantern's rings run on willpower. And the only limit to that power is what you believe and what you are willing to feel. In my dreams, I'm beautiful and bad. (laughs) (laughs) What's that from? Nightmare on Elm Street, Dream Warriors. Oh, that's right. (laughs) Yeah, the mohawk. Yeah, like the giant mohawk. Yeah. That's you. Well, like I always feel, and maybe it's because that doesn't exist in my real world, but I feel like if I had a ring that was powered by my willpower, I would be a god. Because I have a huge ego. There's like there's plenty of times where I get in my own head and I'm my biggest weakness. There's a lot. But I feel like if I had something that gave me power or was facing something that I knew I was feeding power, I feel like I could I could crush that pretty quickly. I, yeah, it just depends because it's like, what does he throw at you that you have to overcome? I mean, I'm not afraid of a giant Paul Bunyan. I can easily go, oh, that's fake. But like, <laughs> I'm going to answer the question that I thought you were going to ask because you started as I was like, oh, let me think about that. And I'm in my head was mulling over the wrong question. Okay. So, sorry. This is a deleted scene. This is an alternate scene yeah. of this episode. When I was a, a lifeguard at a pool, a private pool, and it was like out in the woods and there was often things that you had to clean up and bugs and spiders and like, you know, run the pool. And I came in one day and there was a dead fox on, on inside one of the changing rooms and he had been ripped open and there were just gross worms everywhere, like heartworms, like weird white worms. That is how it could get me. Like that to me is like worst nightmare hell scenario is like seeing that. Cleaning up a dead fox. That's how it gets you. 
but like then if the worms like came out and got me or something you know like if 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 it's it's just the pile of worms man it was the most disgusting thing and then i tried to suck it up with a vacuum cleaner and just you could see the worms going <laughs> <laughs> You could see the worms going into the vacuum tank, just going splat, 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 and still just like, oh, God. And, oh, God. Meanwhile, yeah, just like, it was like kids drowning in the pool. You're, 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 I imagine you with like the super long extension hose of a vacuum. Kids drowning in the pool. Yes. We lost three that day. Then you went out front and you're like, sorry, I had to clean up that fox. And the guy who ran the pool was like, what fox? And you realized you were the only one that could see it. The guy who ran the pool would have been the Pennywise because he was he he was like an angry man who was always just like, oh, what the fuck? And he'd like come down and start like chainsawing things. And you're like, he's going to murder me, man. Wait, like, chainsawing he's things super... at a pool? Is this a dream, Rumi? No, it was a weird place because it was like it was deep in the woods. It was a private pool deep in the woods. That's called a lake. <sighs> no, it was made out of cement, Rumi. It was like a man-made lake. It was like, so these rich people had this pool deep in the woods and it was falling apart, but it was really old and they built it so they could test sailboats on it. That's how big That's this pool That's a lake. Was. That's not a pool. It was made out of cement, Rumi. It was really Was weird. there a ladder to get in and out of it? Yeah. Okay. That's yeah, a pool. Okay, cool. Pools there was a diving bar. Yeah. Well, lakes could have diving boards. But right behind it, there was a river. So they could have gone swimming in the river. With all, or they could have put their goddamn sailboats <laughs> in the river. Did you call it the Barrens and that's where you and your friends went down? That to me is like that moment that's like if I had to remember a freaky moment that freaked the shit out of me, like that just made me so sick and so visceral. And so like that, that was like, that was what fear felt like to me. You could scare the shit out of me with that. that see, that's interesting because I, I, I forget there was a scene. Oh. The, uh, the, the, the thing spider head scene in this movie where the head was running around with the legs. Yeah. I was like, that's gross. And I wouldn't want to touch that. But I would be like, I know it's not my, I mean, I guess if it's your dead friend's head, that's scary on a certain level and it's emotional and psychologically a scary, but like, I would know that that wasn't his real head. And I would know that that was the clown trying to hurt me. And I want to say, now it's easy for me sitting here recording with you in a non-threatening situation, but I feel like I can delineate in my mind you know what if i was attacked by that thing if i literally just turned my back on it what could it do to me nothing because i need to give it the power to do something right i need to believe in it for it to harm me I and mean, that literally happens in this movie they say we're gonna yell at you and then you're gonna turn into a little baby clown we're gonna rip your heart out until he opens his mouth and spiders start dropping into your hair Rumi. and that's exactly what i thought when i thought of the thing thing in this movie i was like that's not too bad i was like yeah but what if it and if it was a giant spider, if it was like a spider the size of my laptop, more easy to deal with than if it was like one really aggressive spider the size of a tarantula. Because that would scare yeah. the shit out of me. But I do feel that I would be able to keep my shit under control. But then I guess, and this is never really explained, how much do you have to believe in it for him to hurt you? You know what I mean? Right? Well, that's the thing. Because it's like Eddie gets killed, speared through the back, even after he felt like he had defeated the clown. So like... At that moment, he's not afraid, and it killed him. Yeah, I guess that is true, huh? So, like, th there are no defined rules about, like, how afraid do you have to be and how much fear fuels him? Like, you know, am I a little bit afraid? Fuels him a lot, a little bit? You know, what, what are the rules? Give me some rules. Yeah, it's, it, and, they, and there's, there's a lot of things that I was thinking about talking about here that I don't want to nitpick, but there are times where something creepy happens in the movie, and I'm not sure, was that Pennywise a shapeshifter taking on the form of something? Like the like the the fortune cookies, or was that him creating an illusion because he has a power over the town? So that wasn't him. 
but it was something caused by him. And that's so never like, really you're explained. Saying- if they potentially crushed all the fortune cookies, they could have killed him right then and there? Question, yeah. Or like the Paul Bunyan. I know that we see him sitting on Paul Bunyan's shoulder, Pennywise, the clown. But when Paul Bunyan is a monster and is attacking Richie, was that Paul Bunyan actually Pennywise? Or was Pennywise doing some sort of oobajoob to Richie to make him think he was just seeing that so it was an illusion? You know what I mean? And that's not really explained much in the book either at what point what is Pennywise and what is not Pennywise. Pennywise has to be a physical entity. Well, I guess that's not true. But they shoot silver at him a couple times and hit him and it hurts him. Rich, uh, or Eddie sprays him with his asthma medicine and it hurts him. So I wish they had done that in this movie too. I agree. I was waiting for it. They set it up for like, it. Even if he had just done it to the leper when he's fighting him and just sprayed him and, sure. he's like, and it burned him like acid and he's like, and it's because he believes it. Because he's hoping something will happen, it does. They missed a lot of the important, and I said this in, the, in our last review, they missed a lot of the stuff that was important because I think part of the reason that those kids could triumph when they were kids is because kids believe in shit like that and they did it to they, save their lives. Because they didn't include that giant fucking space turtle, man. God, swear to God, if you just had that, that space, space turtle, this would have been better. That space turtle really tied the movie together, dude. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well. That's it, Rumi. Um, I really was kind of annoyed by this movie. But again, I didn't hate any of the things it did. It just didn't do it as a, the movie sucked. It just a bunch of parts of it were OK and pretty cool. Like, I like all the scary moments, but I just was like, to what end, though? It just right, didn't right, make right. a good movie. And that's so, all true. I feel, dude, the way that I feel is I was I love the story of it. So I was really hoping that this would be good, even though I was not letting myself feel it. But I was like, you know what? I should rewatch the first one to get ready for this one. And I was like, no, I don't like that one enough that I'm not going to rent it for $3 on Amazon. I refuse. This movie, part two, I would, I would watch it again for $3. I think, I mean, it would work for shitty movie, I'm sure. Um, if my dad was here and hadn't seen it, I would definitely watch it again with him. You know, if you were here and you wanted to watch it, I'm not going to buy it either. But if someone right, says, what? Get out your piece of glass right now. Break some glass off from your drinking glass. Break it. <laughs> yeah. And we're going we're gonna to cut our hands. And in 27 years, we're going to sit down and watch this movie again. <laughs> Dude, let's do that. Let's do it. In 27 years, with our beep boop mind devices, because we're going to be old men. <laughs> we're going to be old men, Rumi. And we will watch this movie again, both of them, together. Can you do math? How back. old are you going to be in 27 years? I'll be 66. 62. Yeah, that'll old be cool. Men. Old men launch pad. Jesus. A man is going to be like, you're still doing that shit with Rumi? I'll be like, Who, who's Rumi? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, it's a pack then, Rumi. We can't back out now. 27 right. years now, we will kill the clown once more. Dude, I never want... Even if this show doesn't exist, we'll record it on our old devices. On our mental beep boop beeps. Yeah, beep boop beeps. And now, I don't, I don't ever wish psychological trauma on my friends enough that they take their own lives. But if you kill yourself in your bathtub because you don't want to watch these movies again, it would be funny as hell. <laughs> but then I send you a letter that's like, I couldn't hack it. So I just took myself I off took the board. I took myself really? off the future board so that you, you could do it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Hilarious. Oh, man. Let's blast this thing off. You got it, man. That was fun. Three, two, one. <laughs> All right. This is It Chapter 2, wrapping it up. We're the Rocketeers, and we're out. Ignition sequence start.
Lift off. We have a lift off. 